Hi everyone, today is Vision Sunday, when we get to reflect on the journey that God has taken us through as a church to give thanks for all that he's done, but also to begin to dream, to talk about what he's calling us into in the future. We planted HTBB Church back in 2014, and then the following year we launched the Alpha Hub, the centre from which we oversee the work to train and equip churches right across Asia Pacific that want to run this brilliant evangelistic tool of Alpha. Then in 2016, we launched our theological college, SPTC, to train up future pastors. So it's been quite a journey. And in fact, one of the motifs or, or uh, metaphors for the Christian walk is that of a journey. And it's why I'm calling my talk right now, Pilgrim People. What does it mean to be the Pilgrim People of God? In fact, journey or pilgrimage is a key part of the entire biblical story. It's a story from creation to new creation, a journey from heaven and earth to the new heaven and new earth, a pilgrimage from garden to a garden city. Once Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, humanity then goes on a journey, not back to the garden, but a journey forward to an eventual garden city in glory. And even the Hebrew people seem to be on a constant journey throughout scripture, whether it's to Canaan and then to exile and back, or then exile again and back. And God is with us on this pilgrim journey, working in our lives, in my life and in yours, even when it seems to be taking a long time or we're taking a winding circuitous route. Psalm 84 verse five says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. And God's rescue plan for humankind began with a specific call on a family to embrace a life of pilgrimage. So I want to read these verses to you. This is Genesis chapter 11, beginning at verse 27, and then into the start of Genesis chapter 12. Let me read it. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram. Now, Abram eventually gets his name changed to Abraham. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and Sarai eventually has her name changed to Sarah. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haram, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no children. So at this point, Abraham and his wife Sarah, they don't have any kids. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, who is the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. The Lord said, had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you 
and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated and the people they'd acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moresh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. Or some translations say, to your seed, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Amen. Now, what can we learn from this passage? And what does it tell us about how to be pilgrim people at HTBB? Well, the first thing is this. Learn from the past, but don't get stuck in it. Verse 31 says this. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. You see, Abraham's father, Terah, sets off with his son, Abram, to be called Abraham, uh, with his daughter-in-law, Abraham's wife, Sarah, and his grandson, Lot, who was the son of Terah's own son, Haran, who had tragically died before they set off. And they started going to their chosen destination of Canaan. And of course, as we know, Canaan will become the promised land for that family. So Abraham's journey to the promised land actually begins with his father's journey. You know, it's often said that when God calls churches to a particular vision or mission, it's often a calling to a long walk of obedience in the same direction. And this can be true of families and individuals as well. So I want to begin by asking us all a question. In what ways might you be called to follow in the footsteps of those who have gone before you? In your workplace, in this church, or even in your family? Each generation does not have to reinvent the wheel. It's often about receiving the baton from the previous generation and continuing the pilgrim journey in a fresh and exciting new way. So think about it, at HTBB, we didn't invent Alpha, but we're leading the charge, serving churches right across Asia Pacific that wanna know how to run it. In fact, last year, 2022 alone, we had over 9,000 churches in the region run Alpha, such that over 300,000 people in Asia did Alpha last year and had the opportunity to encounter Jesus for themselves. Or it might be that the Lord wants you to learn not from an earlier generation in your family or in your workplace, but to learn from something that happened earlier on in your life. Perhaps you'll come to realize how God has been preparing you in the past for your journey with him into the future. So, for example, I, I, I live and I minister here in Malaysia. But, you know, years ago, when I first left university in the UK, I got a job and the company posted me somewhere up in the far northeast of England, a place I'd never been to. I just got a suitcase and I, and I went. 
and uh, it's in uh, the northeast of Yorkshire. And I remember one Sunday, I not I just arrived there. I went along to a church, and I sat down and. Everybody in the room was white, apart from this one Chinese guy who came and sat next to me. Now, the service started, and in that part of England, they speak with a really strong accent. So I was struggling to follow them. So at one point, I said to the Chinese guy next to me, hey, do you understand what they're saying? And he said, no, none of it. He said, you understand? Can or not? I said, not. And from that point, we bonded. We became great friends. He, uh, he cooked loads of uh, Malaysian food for me. And I suppose he sort of began my love affair with Malaysia. Now, at the time, I thought I'd made just a good friend. But years later, when we had the opportunity to come and live here, I realized that God had already been at work in my heart, preparing me for my calling. You see, we can only live life forwards, but we often understand it best backwards. How might God have already spoken to you or prepared you in the past for what he has for you today and into tomorrow? Now, whilst we might learn from the past, we must not get stuck in it. So when Terah heads out towards Canaan, he eventually gets at a place about halfway on the journey, a place called Haran, halfway to Canaan, and he stops there, he settles there, and eventually even dies there of old age. In other words, terror stopped short. Where did the previous generation stop short in your life? Or what have you done so far, which might not be the whole story, the whole journey of what the Lord is calling you to? Don't settle for only half of the journey. Pilgrim people keep going, and we must as a church do the same. And why did terror stop short and settle? Well, I think there are two potential explanations which we can learn from as a church and as individuals. Firstly, we see that sometimes it can be hard to move on from grief or pain from the past. Whilst in Hebrew, the place Haran is spelt differently from Terah's son, Haran, the one who had tragically died back in Ur of the Chaldeans before he'd left. Actually, although they're spelt differently, the place Haran sounded just like his son's name. Perhaps when he arrived at that place, it was the grief and pain from the past, which meant that Terah just couldn't move on. Now, whilst grief is a really important part of the healing process, and we have to go through it, we must not get stuck in our pain, but with others, continue forward in life. You know, the pandemic brought a lot of pain. And, you know, at a church level, many churches have struggled to rebuild and move on since. And I I want to take this opportunity to say a huge thank you to all of you for being a congregation that has been brilliant at helping us rebuild, not just the same as before, but to grow back stronger and differently than before. And one thing that we've seen is our connect groups. Our connect groups are really growing back strongly and widely. Here's a brilliant photo of a recent uh, retreat of all the connect group leaders. What an amazing team. And I'd encourage you, if you're not part of a connect group, do join one. 
And the second reason why terror perhaps gets stuck in Haran, one is the pain of the past, but another one reason is because his head got turned. He got distracted and idolatry crept in. What do I mean? Well, Genesis eleven twenty four, just before this passage, tells us that Terah was a descendant of Shem, one of Noah's original sons. But Joshua 24, verse 2, also tells us that Terah ended up serving other gods. And the clue, I think, is in his name. Terah sounds like Yera, the lunar month. And he'd set out from Ur of the Chaldeans. And Ur was the center for worship of the moon god. Perhaps Terah had been dedicated to the moon god as a child. But the other center of moon worship in the region was, yes, you guessed it, Haran. Maybe when he got to Haran, he saw all the, the idol worship of the moon god and it, it, it felt familiar. It took him back to his childhood. It took him back to Ur, his family home. And he settled for it. He kind of slipped back into those ways. I wonder what can turn your head from following the Lord obediently? What's distracting you from the plans and fullness of all that God has for you? And I just want to say, don't worry if you were dedicated to another God as a child, the Lord will set you free. Just tell us and we can pray for you. It has no hold on you or your future. So what does this notion of a, a long walk of obedience in the same direction and learning from the past but not getting stuck in it, what does that mean for HTBB moving forward? Well, as the home of the Alpha Hub, we made during the pandemic uh, the new Chinese Alpha film series. It's absolutely amazing. And this new video product has been extraordinary in its impact. You know, last year in we launched it in the middle of the year, and in just the first six months, 108,000 people went through Alpha using the new Chinese film series. You know, having an opportunity to hear the gospel and encounter Jesus for themselves in Mandarin. And in fact, the, the impact has been so great that we've learned from it. And it has changed Alpha's whole approach to product development for the whole world. And this means that our first ever in-house global alpha studio, where we're gonna make contextualized and localized product for all the other regions in the world, it's gonna be here in KL. And I want you to think of the scale and the significance of this. It means from our, our little Kuala Lumpur, we're gonna be making product for Latin America, for Africa, the Middle East, America, Europe, and so on. Isn't this, amazing. But we can't do it without you. We need your prayers, your service, your giving. And I'm most jealous really for your prayers. Please, please, please pray into this because we get to play a, a part in shaping God's salvation purposes being played out around the globe. Please be a part of it. Without you, it, it won't happen. So learn from the past, but don't get stuck in it. Second thing we see in this passage is you've got to let go in order to receive. So Terah gets stuck at Haran, but then Genesis 12 verse one, we read this. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. 
Abraham's told to leave Haran and to move on towards Canaan. And he obeys. Now that must have been really tough, but we have to leave in order to receive. The very next verse, we read this. God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And he goes on to say, and through you, all nations will be blessed. You see, we can't receive more unless we're prepared to let go and our hand is open. You know, if I've got something in my hand, I can't receive more unless I let go of that thing to receive. And this theme is continued in the New Testament. You know, just as Abraham left home, family and possessions to continue on pilgrimage, Jesus says the same thing in Mark chapter 10, verse 29 and 30. He says this, I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. In other words, you can trust God. You can obey him to live with open hands. You can't outgive God. You're not gonna be shortchanged. And we're, we're called to give away, to let go. And that often means that as a church, we give away our best. So think about it. We had Dan and Kate molest with us, and then we gave them away. We sent them to go and lead St. Peter's Brighton, a church in the U south coast of the UK. And they were just telling me recently how they've just had a youth weekend with 100 youth on it. They've got 150 students regularly worshipping, and they've got extensive work in the city with the poor, the homeless, addicts, and the vulnerable. And then we had Stu and Abby leading our worship and production. They were part of our family. And what did we do? Well, eventually we gave them away. We sent them back to HTB in London to head up the worship and production there. And then out of our college, we started to get all of these pastors trained like Aaron Anand. And what have we done with Aaron? We've given him away to Kuching. The bishop there saying, please come and help revitalize the church here. So he's gone to plant Holy Trinity Kuching with the first public Sunday service coming up on the 6th of August. You know, so much fruit in the kingdom because we're prepared to let go, to give away. This is part of the cost of church planting. And it's why we want to continue to train up planters and pastors at SPTC to send them out. For example, we've got People all around the region now saying, can we train at your college? Pastors from places like Nepal. And it costs us uh, 8,000 ringgit a year for three years, so 24,000 ringgit in total, to prepare and train a church pastor and church planter. Would you consider helping? And what might the Lord be asking you to move on from or be asking you personally to let go of? He wants to bless you with more. Yes, we let go in order to receive, but we also receive in order to bless others, to pass it on, to pay it forward. In verse three, God says to Abraham, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
I, I love all of the work in the community that many of you are doing through HTBB's social action work, through the community centre on Saturday, through the uh, food bank, through our service and partnership with various refugee schools, uh, through the literacy and computer skills training classes that we do. In fact, through working with various uh, partners, HTBB is now impacting and interacting with the lives of 1,000 people outside of its own walls in the community. Those that maybe don't yet come to church or don't necessarily know Christ, but have begun the journey through us reaching out and by letting go to bless. And I think of all the family life work we do, the marriage course, the pre-marriage course, the parenting courses. It's a way to bless couples in the community. And we need your help for HTBB to continue to be a community of blessing to so many. There's a QR code that you can scan if you'd like to join a team or, or even to join a connect group to help in some way be part of this community of blessing. You know, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, we read this, Paul write, uh, Peter writes this in verse 10. Each, each one should use whatever gift they have received to serve others. We need everyone to play their part. Thank you for being an amazing congregation that pours itself out in the service of others. Please keep going. We're making a difference. And then the third thing we see in this passage is ultimately Jesus is the destination of this pilgrim life. You know, as pilgrim people, our destination is no longer a place, but a person. It's Jesus. In verse 7 of Genesis 12, we read this, that God the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your seed, I will give this land. And now the full meaning of this verse is eventually explained by the Apostle Paul in Galatians. He writes this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Ultimately, this pilgrim journey of faith, in it we, we see throughout the Bible that we can't actually get back to God ourselves. So in his grace and his love and mercy, God came to us to meet us in the person of Jesus, God with us, born that first Christmas. He appeared to us, lived with us, died for us and rose to new life for us. And our response? Well, like Abraham, it should be prayer and worship. Genesis 12 verse seven says this. So, he, that's Abraham, built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him, an altar of prayer and worship. So to walk in the fullness of all that God has for us as a church and into the fullness of all that he has for you 
It requires everyone serving, everyone giving, but most importantly of all, everyone praying. Thank you for being a prayerful congregation. You know, we begin at midnight on the 6th of March, a 24-7 week of prayer. And if you haven't grabbed a, a prayer slot yet, please do, or just spend an hour sometime this week, if you can, in prayer. It will transform the life of the community. It will transform your life and mine. And I'd love to finish this talk right now, if I may, by praying for us. So let's pray. We just pray, come Holy Spirit. Would you come and fill every one of us watching this now with your presence? For those who have been hurt in the past or grieving right now, Lord, would you be with them? Would you give them comfort? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, you said, Jesus. But I pray that they wouldn't get stuck there, Lord, that you would help them to move into healing and fullness and all that you have for them in the future. Lord, help us to be people who look and learn from the past, but have our heads facing you forward into the future. And Lord, thank you that ultimately that future is not a, a physical destination, but it's a relationship with you. And I think there's someone watching this, just, it might just be one person, I don't know, there's someone watching this, and you've been having very sharp pain in your abdomen. And I think the Lord wants to heal you right now. So if I may, I'm going to pray for you. I just command the pain to leave you right now in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.